Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm great. It's good to see you. We don't I usually know. get to see each other on podcasts, but today we do. I know. Just... I actually get to see your mug. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> shaved in a while. It's, it's cold here still. So anyway, that, we, we didn't gonna, come to talk about the weather. I'm very excited. Oh, good. Nice. Well, I know that you've got a special guest on the show, and that is Erin Fitzgerald, and she is actually connected to our last podcast, correct? She is connected. Yes. So uh, I'm super excited to uh, continue this conversation. Nice. All right. So how is she connected to the last podcast we did? All right. So Erin is the CEO of U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action. All right. And when David was talking about it, he was using the uh, the initials. Hmm. But that's the full name of the organization. <laughs> got it. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Erin and Please. she can fill in some of the blanks. Uh, her bio is incredibly long, but I picked out a few highlights. One of the things about Erin that she says in a couple of places is she's passionate about encouraging contagious collaboration, love this, to build the sustainable food systems of the 21st century. We've talked a lot about food systems yes. in previous podcasts. She previously worked for the Innovation Center for the U.S. Dairy where she led innovative projects in the sustainable supply chain framework. And we've talked about supply chains. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing a few things together here. Uh, she also worked to enhance dairy's con contributions with sustainable food systems and the intersection between nutrition, health, hunger, food waste, and impact. All of the things we love. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aaron has been recognized in Chicago's 40 under 40. I'm looking at her right now. She looks much younger than 40. I was going right? to so say, did you mean 30 under 30? Right. Maybe that. that, right. Maybe. Um, and she was a White House champion of change for sustainable and climate smart agriculture. So I, wow. I don't know, we're talking to somebody super famous, right? Seriously. Uh, <laughs> there's so, so many things about her. I, she kind of puts us all to shame. Uh, and, and she's done so much already in her lifetime. I'm not sure when she sleeps frankly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I believe Aaron and I could actually be really good friends because we have so many things in common here. Um, and I think we could talk for hours and hours about sustainable food and supply chain. So welcome, Aaron. You guys, that was the funnest introduction. So nice. <laughs> I, I better live up to in this podcast now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as as uh, Eric, as you remember, um, our last podcast was with David Bennell. So that was podcast number 42 for you mm -hmm. listeners who would like to go back and um, listen to that podcast. It was fascinating. We talked about the report that USFRA did in uh, collaboration with David and um, a couple other organizations on transformative investment in climate smart agriculture. And I could have talked about it with him for hours. Today, we're going to talk more about Aaron's organization. 
and I have so many questions. So first, let's talk about how um, sustainable food systems and supply chains. We'll, we'll talk about that. We've talked about these several times. Um, I want to talk about the mission and the vision of US FRA. Yeah, so US Farmers and Ranchers in Action is a new name, actually. It used to be called US Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. And um, maybe a little bit about my background, too. So I was at Dairy Pryor. And I just kept feeling that there was a need to bring all of agriculture together. And I got this phone call um, from the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers and Alliance board. And I walked in the room and it was the farmer elected leader from each one of the agricultural groups. And I went, wow, this is really an opportunity for power and change because this is you know, really where boots on the ground sustainability takes place. And if the farmers were serious about taking action, I was too. And, um, you know, about 90 days into our board conversations, I said, you know, that our old logo had a dinner table plate. I said, you know, when I throw a dinner party, I kind of invite some neighbors and cousins and family members, you know, maybe we should invite the rest of the food sector to this conversation. So it's not just farmers only in this conversation. If we really want to imagine the future, then we've got to bring our food makers and farmers together in this unbelievable mission of our lifetime. And why don't we make our organization just that? <laughs> and they were all in. And we've been on that little journey uh, over the last two years to really rename and realign our mission and galvanize leaders across the food and farming system towards this mission to co-create the sustainable food system of, of the future. And that this next decade matters the most and if we're not all leaning in right now, I would argue that even this harvest season, the next harvest season, to support our farmers, it's critical. Um, and we have a whole um, film called um, 30 Harvest. I would encourage anybody to take a look at. But it really says, you know, compared to any other sector, you can imagine change happening, right? You can, you can imagine that the energy sector could, we could have renewable energy, we could have robots, you know, you can kind of picture it because we've, we've, we see that vision, we grew up with it with the Jetsons and things like that. I'm still waiting for my um, flying car. <laughs> right? I know Eric is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but for agriculture, you know, that level of innovation, that mission to the, to the Mars, you know, that, that rocket-like uh, innovation, happens each growing season. And if you think about climate change with mother nature and the real realities that our farmers are faced with, that means that each growing season, our farmers have a chance to get it right. And that is a, a level and scale of innovation that we have not seen as of humankind. Right, and I I read some of the innovation projects that some of the, the farmers and ranchers are doing, and we're gonna talk about that. I'd like to know a little more about the the core pillars that your organization has and how you help your farmers and ranchers apply those to what they're doing in this sustainability process to reduce carbon emissions and, and how that works. Yeah, so there's um, a couple of things that we're, we're doing. One is a leadership, so activating common leadership. We've launched um, a decade of ag for the past two years. We've been working on a common compact and vision for the food and ag sector to really sign on to and say, you know, I might not have all the answers, but we're going to go figure it out together. So it's not just on the farmer's backs. Um, I think that's been a, a key 
a distinguishing feature. You know, I often say like kind of, um, you guys were talking about the weather and this is before COVID, but, you know, being a conference room, like, well, it's 70 degrees and fluorescent in this boardroom, you know, like, let's let's continue to tell farmers what to do, right? Like, it's it's complicated, right? So we, we got to work together. So that was really what the vision process is about. The second is really uh, about science sense. So can't we, you know, the stuff on sustainability is really complicated. You add in the topic of soils, um, you know, we know more about the surface of Mars, you know, there's a lot going on in those soils that we might not be aware of. Um, we've got all these different watersheds and growing zones. The growing agriculture is really complicated. So it's hard for people to kind of get their boots dirty if you're not really connected directly to a farm or farmer. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in agriculture. I just love it. Um, so I, I use my farmers as my teaching tool. And, you know, for many of us that are trying to understand it, you know, we need to connect with our farmers to understand this stuff. They know. And that's really at least my, the other big effort that we have is really connecting our farmers with food and decision makers to explain some of this stuff. And I had one farmer tell me once, you know, Aaron, I don't understand all this funny gas. Like, where is it? I'm a very practical per person. I can't see it, touch it and feel it. You know, so, and that's really what we're talking about when we talk about carbon emissions, you know, it's got, we've got to be able to explain it and show it. And therein lies, you know, a lot of what we do. And then the other big effort is really changing the conversation about the role of food systems. So um, I always say, if you take out a plastic bottle, right? I think I have one here. Yeah. Like this little thing is made from black carbon, right? Like we don't want more black carbon. You know, when you recycle, it's gray carbon, right? But like, wouldn't it be cool if this was just made from green carbon? How do you explain black carbon, gray right. carbon green to carbon. a farmer? Yeah. So black carbon's fossil fuel base, right? It's literally the carbon that's been from plants from thousands of years ago. And you oil. The air, right? So plastic is a black carbon. Derived from. And when you recycle it, it's gray carbon. Mm-hmm. But green carbon comes from agriculture. So it comes from the sun and through the unbelievable power we have through photosynthesis and plants and animals that we can now, we can cycle carbon. There is a carbon cycle. I love that explanation. And I've never thought of it that way, honestly. And I want to reiterate that to listeners because there's a good carbon, right? There's a green carbon from plants, from trees from the things that we're growing. And that's good. What we don't want to have more of is black carbon from oil. Erin, that's, that's great. It's kind of simple. I mean, so you always hear me say like brown stuff and the brown stuff and the green stuff, those are the cool stuff. And you as farmers and we as a sector, guess what? We steward a lot of that and we can lean into our strengths, right? And we can go help solve this issue. Um, and I think it's just as simple as that. We've kind of lost a little bit of that know-how. And so you'll hear us say like every farmer, every acre and every leadership voice, this sector, if you care about climate change, it's this sector where it happens. I mean, 48% of the landmass is in the stewardship of 2 million farmers that they're stewarding right now, water provisioning. They're managing our green spaces where we see flyways, you know, happen. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that's going on that we might take for granted. And if we lean into that strength and we invest in it, I think we also have the people who know how to get it done, which is very powerful as well. Absolutely, Erin. And 
that was one of the things that struck me when I was really looking through the website of USFRA is the connection with the farmers and ranchers. It's This is not a vague process in terms of working with them. And these are real people. These are real stories. These folks are the real agents of change in this process. I was so impressed and amazed by the things that they're doing. We're not talking big corporate farms. We're talking about individuals and families and how they're making real substantive change. It was, it was fascinating to me. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the actual programs or the, the pieces of technology, because David really was talking about technology a lot. And while we don't really talk about um, specific companies here, I am going to talk about a specific company. It's not a publicly traded company, but I was so fascinated by this piece of technology that this farm in Wisconsin was using called Cow Manager. It was fascinating to me. And it's basically a Fitbit for cows. And that's how they're tracking their cows and keeping management of them and their health. And if something goes wrong with the cow, they know almost immediately. And I thought, wow. So this particular farmer created this for their farm, or excuse me, ranch, uh, and they created it for their ranch and their animals, and then started selling that to other ranches for their cows. Amazing. Amazing. What other interesting pieces of technology are you seeing come out of the needs of farms and ranches? Yeah, no, I think that that's a great example. So we know, you know, healthy animals is, creates a good productive meat or gives more milk or better eggs. And so, you know, you can't meet a farmer who doesn't care deeply about their animals. Um, I know that some occasionally you hear some bad things, but it's again, exception to the rule, right? Um, so what they're looking for is technology that they can make certain that things are like going well. They, you know, they want to make certain that animal is just perfectly cared for. And, and maybe because I came in the dairy sector, some of the fun ones is even just a back scratcher. Um, so there's that Fitbit. And then there's this ability also to then the cow to like have like a, a recess area where they can go and get their back. That's one of my favorite ones I've seen in action because they're just adorable when it happens. Um, but, you know, the other cool technologies that you see is um, really investments in manure. Um, you know, like really looking at manure as an application for soil amendment. There's a lot of really cool innovative strategies happening there. And when you think about innovation in agriculture, it's also not exactly like a widget, right? Or a thing either. So like cover crops is actually a new technology. It's like, it's like coming back and really looking at different types of cover crops that can be applied. It's complicated as well, because you got to get it in right at the middle between another growing season. Um, but we're seeing really cool innovation things that our farmers are doing, um, a whole host of things like that. And I think that's one of the things that people might take for granted is that every farmer has to be tinkering. It's almost like if you substitute the word farmer for chef, um, there's a lot of different recipes that happen in that kitchen, right? And they are all tinkering with that kitchen, with the conditions that they have, and like really trying to figure out really innovative entrepreneurial things that they can do in their kitchen 
to kind of grow different things. So it's not all the same because, you know, each acre and even the sub acreage of that farm can be very, very different. Um, so it's a biological system, it's hyper precise. And we're seeing some really cool stuff. Um, the other thing is we're seeing, you know, precision agriculture, like really getting pinpointed access, you know, to be able to grow plants um, specific um, using radar and drones and all sorts of very cool stuff um, with business intelligence, you know, um, really on the rise. I love this. So we should not just think about a farmer or a rancher as just, you know, a cowboy or, or, you know, a farmer. They're scientists. They're, they have to know a lot. And I, I don't like it when people, you know, really disparage farmers and ranchers because they need to know a lot to provide the food that we're putting on our table and putting in our mouth and making it healthy for us. It's amazing. The more I've looked into it, the more information I've received. And I'm super fascinated this about this because food sustains us and it's important what we're putting in our body. And the food chain piece is is so fascinating. What more fa is fascinating to me is you. <laughs> you know, when I, when I read about some of the things that you've done, I want to talk about how you got into this work and what drew you to sustainability and food systems, because you said you didn't grow up on a farm. So first of all, what drew you to this work? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I guess um, worked in healthcare um, after college. And I got an opportunity to go abroad and I lived in France for four years and I'm, I'm from a small town in Ohio. So that was like a big deal, you know, just to get out and have lived that dream. And I just kept coming back to when I was living in France, how the French people really took pride in actually rural um, society. Um, they cared about small towns. They, they knew exactly like, you know, where, that town was and what they were known for, for their special foods. I'm like, gosh, why can't we do that? We have cool foods. You know, I'm from Flag City, Ohio, USA, like Finley, Ohio. We do the best ice cream, by the way, and chocolate covered pretzels, <laughs> you know? And um, so I came back and I, you know, continued to do that and um, did a little bit of startup to teach people. I hated it. I, was, I just hated it. And at the time I was reading all these books about the healthcare, you know, food sector and ag sector. I'm like, that's what I want to do. You know, how you have acquainted strangers that you talk to. Yeah. Oh man, every day in the elevator going up and down to my miserable job. <laughs> I went to this um, event, finding life's purpose. And guess who's lecturing that guy. So I walked that's up to him and I say, you know, I don't care what I do. I hate finance and I hate the healthcare sector. I just want to be in food and ag. And he said, Okay, I know a guy, uh, Tom Gallagher at the dairy sector. I'm like, I love cheese and yogurt. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> and that's how I pivoted. Now, I guess I always tell this to students because it's like, just follow your heart and the rest will all, you know, line up. But once I got to dairy, I was hired to develop a strategic plan. And at the time, and that is using my business knowledge, was coming back to, okay, how is the dairy sector gonna make the next 10 years? And um, in the first four months, and this is written in business books, you know, Tom walks by, he's like, how's your strategic plan coming? And, you know, he was thinking we need to, you know, grow market share and this, and that. I'm like, 
I don't know, there's this thing called climate change and this thing called water. And he's like, I thought I, you know, hired a, a, a finance person, not a triagram. I'm like, this is the business case of the future. I'm telling you that. And I started working on this. And then he, as a leader, leaned in as well. And we took it on within six months to the board. And then that became like the first sector that stepped up on climate change. And believe it or not, it was a bunch of dairy farmers that stepped up on climate change in 2008 before any other sector took on climate change. And I always say this because like you can make the business case for this stuff. It's just, it's very complicated, but you can lean in to make the business case. So we, everybody's got their strengths. You know, mine happened to be finance. Others might have other storytellers or different things. We all have to work together to make, put our strengths to work. Right. And that's my journey. I, everybody might have their other ones, but in the, social investment world, we say that all the time. It's often about making the business case for a company, for a corporation, for you, a nonprofit organization, the business case for sustainability. That's wonderful to hear that you put it that way and they were all in. And and that's how you came to the sustainable um, process for you. Yeah, I can I really look at it from a finance perspective. So I look at this as risk mitigation. I look at it as um, when I look at our land, air and water, I look at it as the greatest asset the United States has ever known. Um, and I look at global water tables. I look at uh, food security. You know, if you look at the history of the United States, when people came to the United States, you know what the first words they said, this is the land of milk and honey. This is where amber ways of grain grow. And that is in our lexicon. When the United States has pulled out of economic growth, what were the, and think about these moments in time, right after the Civil War, right after the Dust Bowl and the Depression, and right after World War II. And what was the first things economically that were done was investment in the ag sector. And so I fundamentally believe that this is part of our economic competitive advantage, if you will, um, American agriculture, and that maybe we've kind of taken it for granted. Um, so that's how I, I really look at it. It's an economic backbone. It might not be the Silicon Valley that we hear about all the time, but it is a sector that is truly important and generates economic growth and enables the rest of the sectors to do economic growth. That's very true in terms of supporting not just the farmers, but uh, everything down the line. And as David was explaining to me, I, I didn't really think about this, but the technology sectors and, you know, bigger sectors uh, along the way, even the finance sector, when we think about commodities and all of those pieces. So it's it's connected in so many different ways. Um, I'm very fascinated. And, and as you were talking, I'm thinking, we could talk for hours on so many of these pieces. And uh, I'm very fascinated with the work that you're doing and, um, and, and who you are and how you've come to all of these pieces. I was a finance major originally in college and I got very bored and uh, then I thought, well, I'll teach. And I was spent some time in a fifth grade classroom and thought, oh God, no, I can't do this. Um, probably was the fifth graders. And, and then I ended up doing social justice work in, in, in college and then came back to finance because it was sustainable investing. That became my passion. And it's always interesting how 
you circle back around to the things that are your passion. One of the last things I'd like to do is have you tell the listeners how they can support the work that your organization is doing. I know you have a couple of different ways and I want them to be able to, to do that. Well, I appreciate that. And Kim, it sounds like we have very similar journeys to put our strengths to work. I, I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, so a couple things in, in, in keeping with the spirit of putting your strengths to work. Number one, I need volunteers. If you are a financial person and you have great ideas uh, and you're listening, we are looking for pilots. Uh, we're looking to, um, if you can fund, um, we're obviously a nonprofit, any projects on, on this way. But the most important thing that I need to be done is this is, as I mentioned, the grand challenge for the next decade. We are challenging every single leader to really lean in. If you are um, an organized an organization and you're an entrepreneur, get your organization to sign the decade of If you are an individual leader, ask yourself, am I willing to put my strengths to work for this sector for the next 10 years? If so, there's an individual commitment. We ask that basically just says like, look at the vision, the guiding principles of how we want to live in this sector and look at the shared outcomes and just ask yourself, can I help with that? And if you can do that, um, would love that. And um, as a short little step you can take right now after listening, go to YouTube, Google 30 Harvest and watch with your friends and family uh, that film um, and really understand the grand challenge ahead of us. So appreciate it. Great. I can't thank you enough for being on my podcast today. And I am pretty sure Eric is going to have questions on the cow Fitbit. <laughs> All right, Kim, are you suggesting I get a cow Fitbit? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not suggesting, suggesting that at all. Because I do I... like ice cream a lot. And so <laughs> yeah. therefore, the consumption of ice cream in my household is probably three times gross production of anyway, whatever the math would be. Uh, no, I, you know, I do actually have a question, Aaron. I'm, I'm very, very curious. And I don't know how you're involved in this. The conversations with farmers and ranchers, um, just like any group of people, there's going to be those that are easily adopting the things that you're saying, easily looking forward to that future, but there's also going to be some that are going to be a bit hesitant or concerned about what it's going to do to their livelihood, to their family, farm or ranch. And, you know, so the commitment level, so on and so forth. What are you finding when you're having these conversations? In general, many of the farmers feel that they're misunderstood, um, that they're not included in the conversation mm. and that they're villainized. So that's pretty much a universal thing and that they might have hidden talents that can be put to work, or maybe you just don't understand what I'm doing. Like any sector though, you do see innovators and you see laggards. And that's all dependent on the economics of, of their business model, where they're located. Is that technology appropriate for their farm? Just like how any small business would look at, you know, many of these considerations. You know, I think it's our job to recognize that they're very smart. Um, and they're making decisions also in a different financial decision-making, right? Like a decision that they make on their farm will have one year to 10 years in terms of um, a realization, if you think about soil health, yet they're paid on a, on a, you know, a harvest season. So it's very, very complicated business. So when, I don't think that there's any, I've been on so many farms, there's not one farmer who's 
you, there's no good or bad. It's like, it's really just understanding like you're on a continuous improvement. Where are you on the continuous improvement? What's specific to your, your, your area of where you're making these decisions? What are you growing? And just, it's very, it gets very specific and very technical. Um, but in general, I think it's really meeting our farmers and ranchers with that sense of empathy. And every time I'm like, come on, get your boots dirty. I mean, a lot of our farmers are like, you can come out on the farm. Like, let me show you. It's very hard. You know, also it's hard to even show what's going on below the ground. Right. So it's just what's happening in that plant and what's happening on that farm. You can walk out and you're like, I just see a field of green. Well, I'm like, well, look over here. There's some butterflies. Look over there. There's an eagle. Look over here. There's a water. There's a water table under here. So there's so much more happening in that biological system that they're doing. It's a much more complicated business model. I've never seen such a, a complicated business model, really. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're they're very open to the conversation and and you're giving them a voice. And that's that's what I think is is really important. I'm impressed by, I know Kim has, has alluded to that as well. Um, so I, I appreciate your time on the podcast. I would say that the, I'd never heard of the cow fit bit before. I'm not really interested into looking into the cow fit, but, but I will agree with you, Aaron, that I have really thought about getting one of those cow back scratchers, the ones that look like a giant car wash thing. Good right. gravy. That would be fantastic. Just right in my den. Just, just when I need it, it's there. Right. Uh, the, yeah. I'd rather have the bag scratcher than the Fitbit. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kim, thank you so much for letting me ask my question. I was, I was curious about that. Do you have any closing thoughts for today? Well, I am going to say that I think we could talk about so many things around the farm issues and the ranch issues. And I really loved having you on, Erin, having this conversation. I am fascinated by food chain issues and how it works and how we are going to save the planet by making these adjustments. And so I appreciate having you on. Thank you very much. And I'm hoping we can put the links to the things that you've talked about in terms of the action steps on our website as well. Thank you for joining me. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Aaron, I want to thank you again. And Kim, of course, thank you for bringing her on. I don't know what you're doing to me. I think, I mean, she's a genius. And then you brought on what somebody who taught people how to build rockets last time. I mean, yeah. I just, know. Just, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how I'm going to keep up with these amazing guests. It's, <laughs> we can't, right. unless we can raise Einstein, we're, we're, it's, we're, we're top of the top of the cream of the crop right here. So right. <laughs> anyway, thank you for bringing her on. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor. Registered with the SEC, Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax and legal advisors regarding your personal circumstances. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.